Now we're going to do something, you know, and hopefully I can give you answers. And you might have better answers, but I'll give you mine. How's that? We're doing something called questions and answers. And we have uh, uh, people that are going to read the questions. I think that's what we're doing. Are we doing, is that what we're doing? Okay, come on, bring a microphone, and we're just going to be attacked by every, what? We had several people submit questions, and so Several people submitted questions, and Amy and I are going to try and answer them. Go. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, it all depends on um, being led by the Spirit. You know, Miss Donna even said that, that the, all the family was in favor, but, you know, she needed to hear from God. So I, first of all, you need to be led by your Spirit when it's time to get married. And then secondly, I mean, probably age is a factor. You know, if you're in your 40s and 50s getting married, you might, you know, have more wisdom and have a better sense of um, on things, whereas someone who's 18, you know, you know, if, if my 18-year-old was heading that way, you know, you might want to wait a little bit, but, um, but I think it's about being led by your spirit. Um, there's a natural way, I hate to hold you up, but, but he's going to rush through because we have so many questions, but um, my mom and dad were not serving God. My dad was in the Navy, and my mother lived in New Zealand. She was born in Tonga, at 18, they moved to New Zealand. Somewhere in that range, uh, my dad was in a, on a ship, and the ship's propeller broke. They call it the screw. The screw broke on the ship. They had to land in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, he ended up in a bar and met my mother. They dated for two weeks and got married before he got back on the ship. And they were married for 35 years. Uh, I was at the bedside of both of them when they went to be with Jesus. The, the center core of this is, is their life wasn't great. My dad was, a, after getting out of the Navy, became a, he was a professional baseball player for the New York Giants. And, uh, you know, their, their life was rocky until they got saved. Once they got saved, transformation occurred. And I don't think they would have stayed married had they not had the Holy Ghost. Now, you can get married in the flesh, but you can also, as a born-again believer, I'm talking to church now. If I had my life to do all over again, I promise you, knowing what I know now, I would have simply waited on the Holy Ghost and not experimented everywhere. <laughs> so many people try this, this uh, missionary dating and hope they find the right one, and even, they know, even though they know they're not. You know, uh, we played a video ahead of time with uh, Brother Creflo talking about asking the questions. A lot of people, I'm just going to say this, you're going to hate what I'm going to say, are fools. And I mean this. You ought to know their credit. Yeah. You ought to know their lifestyle. You ought to even talk to some ex-girlfriends or boyfriends. Bank account pay and You don't have to listen to everything. I mean, it might have been a bad relationship between the two of them, but you ought to find out what she hated the most. I'm preaching real good. Um. If you did you know, not see the Creflo Dollar, the go back fear, and watch if it. you believe imaginarily, because you have an imagination, and you believe everything is like they say, you know, if you go on online dating now, most of the time you can't see the picture because their camera's broken. <laughs> well, no, I, no, ain't nobody got no camera broken on their computer. They don't want you to know all those details. They don't really want you to know because they, I will say this, Amy will tell you for us. And this was probably the best thing I ever did. I've always tried to be as honest and open as possible. I don't need to tell her all the details. But when, before we got married, the moment we got engaged, the first thing I did is sit down with the blue box. And it had all my bills. I, had, I was making a lot of money, but I spent more than I made and all those kinds of things. 
and I opened up the blue box. Hopefully you don't have the blue box, but if you do, you marry somebody and you're a liar, it's going to be a problem. Because you start with lack of trust. You start with a lie. And how many of you understand trust is critical? You better trust who you're with. I need more shouting than that. You better know. You know, I've married a couple, I've married a couple of couples in here, and we would have discussions, and, you know, we'd get down to the meat of things, because I like telling the truth, you know. I had, I had one guy that was a really, really wealthy man, extremely wealthy man, and he found a girl in a club. She was a pole dancer. He was in his, what, 80s, 70s? She was in her late 20s. I sat him down at my table. I said, now, number one, he wants somebody to stand beside him. He's looking for a good-looking girl to walk with him at 70. That's what he wanted, right? I said, now, you know what she wants is your money. I mean, we had that real conversation. At the end of the day, they ended up getting married. And that real conversation made a lot of difference because once you know something and you've decided with that knowledge... See, you got, if you've got somebody tricking you and lying to you, and then all of a sudden you get married, you find out they don't have no money, they got bad credit, they got a terrible job, things are bad, their car's broken down, whatever it may be, you have to live with that, and there's hate that develops out of that situation. You need to be led by the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's why we have him. We need to be led by the Holy Ghost. Right, Amy? If I had it to do over again, I would simply wait on the Holy Ghost. Don't waste my time. And I would have found Amy. She would have been perfect for me. All right, go. Sorry about that. Okay, so a question is asked. Is the non-believing spouse saved through the believing spouse? You are not saved through someone else. Salvation is an individual thing. It only happens by the individual choice. Can you be married to an unsaved person and be saved? Yes. However, there'll be compatibility issues. Would you agree? The greatest thing Amy and I talk about is our relationship with the Lord and how it affects us. It is the deepest conversation we have. If you can't have that conversation, then a piece of what you need deeply is missing. You see it? But you can do it. Now, what the Bible does say is that the spouse can cover can cover her mate so what the, or his mate you can stand as a believer and be blessed with a non-believer in other words let's do it this way let's say that you as a believer go to church honor the lord and tithe the bible says that he'll pour back to you he'll open up the windows of heaven your unbeliever can't stop that and will benefit from the fact that you follow god so no you can't get somebody saved that way and you may go to heaven, they go to hell. Don't, don't get mad at me. And be compatible. Men happy. And, and, not, and, and not be compatible spiritually. Now, the best compatibility there is, is spiritual compatibility. Lest two walk together, how there's something to walk in together. Amy, you got a comment on that before we get to the next question? None. Um, Pastor Stephen, Miss Amy, the question was asked... In the dating stage, how do you know what things to work through versus letting go? No, no, go. I had a lot to work through. (laughs) 
There you go. Good, good answer. By your spirit. To me, if you're if you're in the right relationship, you're dating the right one. There may not be stuff to I don't know work out. There, there's just you know learning together. So um, I think just follow your spirit. Thank you. That's great. Follow your spirit. Um, If it's immoral, illegal, or uh, what's the other word? Immoral, illegal, or ungodly, it needs to be left out. Would you say that? So if you're finding things that are illegal, immoral, or ungodly, those are signs. Would you agree with that? Those are signs. Before you get married, if you see those things, that's why... I would say the church is the best place to find somebody because if, if, if we do what we're supposed to do, fill the church up with people, finding somebody, because that's where we found each other, you have the ability of putting God first. Who's first? God is first. If he's first, then it, then it, then it fixes the problems. Um, we're not talking about the idiosyncrasies of a life or personality. We're talking about if it's illegal, immoral, or ungodly, we don't, we don't do it. Does that make sense? That has to go. Don't go into a marriage thinking they're going to change, right? Yeah, uh, your marriage won't change anybody. It actually sometimes exalts what's the problem. Pastor Steve Misemi, the question was asked, does submitting mean being a slave to your man? Say that again. Does submitting mean being a slave to your man? (laughs) (laughs) Are you wanting a personal answer or a spiritual one? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> uh, everything about the relationship and coexistence with each other is on an equal basis. A man and a woman are equal. In Genesis 1, God created the man. Then the next part of that verse, he says he created them male and female. So there was a name man, and then there was male and female. He justified that as this is the way I've made it. And they are co-equal with, because they were made in the image of God. A woman was not made less than the image of God. Nor was a man. He made man first. They weren't made on the same moment. They were made at different times. He let Adam go through the entire garden, look at the entire garden, see the entire garden, name everything in the garden, work for him. While he was working for God, he discovers that he can't have relationship with a dog. He can only come down to the lower level of the dog. They're not compatible. Nothing in life was compatible. He'd seen it all. I mean, think about how God did this. God let him see everything, experience everything, touch everything, name everything. And then God says he can't be alone. He realized in this perfect society and the perfect thing he had created, man's in the center of it, after the image of God, that man has to have compatibility with something. And none of the animals are going to do it. Trees don't do it. Bark don't do it. Fish don't do it. And so the next thing is, is he reaches down. He says, I'm going to put you to sleep. The first surgery occurs. He takes the rib out of the man. He makes a woman. And after that's done... Uh, the, the, the woman comes, uh, you know, he brings the man up and he says, now this is what I brought you. I'm just paraphrasing Steve McCart. And then God says to the man, you name her. Now, I don't know if you've thought about that, but I mean, he named everything else and God didn't all of a sudden take dominion and say, now this is woman and I give her to you. God said to the man, 
Now, I'm setting an order here. There's a difference between headship and slaveship or domination. God has never called anyone into slavery or domination. A man has no right to dominate a wife. He had the right to, to uh, the headship, meaning God said, okay, what are you going to call her? I'm going to call her a woman because this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And I mean, the, the, the discovery is there. And now I, something of equality, we're on the same plane. But when he did that, even though everything is equal, he called her a helpmate. Now, I know society doesn't say that. And let me, let me make it clear. I know this is controversial. I had a lady come in. She said we were talking about something, and it happened to be a lesbian couple in the church that, that, that had gotten married. We preach to everybody. Do you understand that? I mean, if you're a thief, I'm going to preach about stealing. If you're a liar, I'm going to talk about lying. If you're a fornicator, I'm going to talk about you staying, keeping your zipper up. If you're an adulterer, I'm going to talk about you staying in your house. And if you're homosexual, the Bible says you can't do that. Now, that's the Bible. Whether you like that or not, the ultimate God sets up the ultimate plan and sets up the ultimate thing. It may take us a while to revert or change or accommodate to God's will. Because liars stay in church too. Theft. Do you understand? We all are here with failures and problems. But we're all coming under the knowledge of God. And God said he made man the head and wife the helper. And not, let, me give you, let me give you some news. Number one. If you're a man, you need help. I'm not getting enough shouting right there. (laughs) That's a good word, isn't it? You need help. Unless you have a gift from God, unless God's put a specific call on you and he, he, you know, did something specifically grandiose or amazing with you to be single, you need to get married. Now, I mean, this is really important because men go around, they start fooling around, they have 19 women, and they've got, you know, six children out here, and they're, they're not their children. That did. God never intended for any of that. That's why we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. If you're not married to somebody and you're sleeping with them, you're living in their house, you're living in sin. I didn't make that up. I didn't make that up. That's God's word. That means God said, here's the box, and he wants us to live in his box. Does that make sense? And I, and I used a man, it could be a woman. There are women that have relationships all over the place. God wants us not to live in fornication. He didn't do away with it through Jesus. He gave us the power through Jesus. I'm not getting enough shouting. Grace is not about you get to do stuff and it's okay to do it. Grace is the power to overcome it. I'm preaching so good. Isn't that good, Pastor David? Don't you? Preach it, Pastor David. Preach it. <laughs> So man names this woman, she has a defined role. She has the exact equality. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are the same. They have the same value. There's nothing different about one another, but they are three persons. And God makes the decisions. Jesus follows, and the Holy Spirit follows God and Jesus.
Now, he defined himself and said to us that we are to follow after his image. Now, what I'm going to say about this is so you understand this. I have found out that headship does not mean I make all the decisions without consultation. Headship means I'm smart enough to listen to my wife. <laughs> there ought to be. All you women should be shouting amen right now. There should have been people standing up going, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Wives are to respect their husband. And even if he makes a bad decision, there's been times when I made financial decisions and I didn't do what was right. Talk to Amy and have a consultation. And can we do this together? And we lost money doing it. Because God gave her as a help. And then he says that a husband is to love a wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. If the man understands that concept, And he loves his wife. See, we accommodate, men, you accommodate for all kinds of things. You understand? I mean, I mean, and 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 women accommodate for all kinds of things. But headship would mean God first. That means if your husband comes to you and says, I want to watch porn, you go, No way. We're not watching porn, because the Bible says not to have that in your in your life. And so headship first is God. And I'm not disobeying you because I'm telling you that I have to follow God first. If your husband comes and says you can't tithe, you can't say okay. He don't have to tithe, but you can. Our decision first starts with God. It's not a war. It's not a fight. But see, what if God's the center of all of it? Then even though there are problems, we, this is something Amy and I do all the time is forgive. That's, that's what headship's about. Did I help anybody with that? You might get anything what I'm talking about. No, no, I'll take another question. I know, I know you're running me off. Come on, I'll give her the tie. <laughs> I told him, go out there and do this. I think, I like the questions. Y'all like the questions? Y'all don't mind? One more. Give me one more question. Just one, I'll do one more question. Pastor Steve and Miss Amy. How do you always keep the fire alive in a marriage for many years? What are some new ways to spark up your marriage? (laughs) Amy, go ahead. (laughs) I give you for instance, I give you for instance, because I mean, you know, um, I'm learning better and better. My dad was always making fun of my mother. And, and it's, a, it's something that got into me. I, I apologize for this. I hate it because I'm learning at 55. But my mom had a speech factor because she came from Tonga, and so she couldn't speak English very well. And so everywhere we'd go, he would make comments that were hurtful, and he would make fun of her language. And everybody around, I thought about this personally, and everybody around would say, I don't understand what the problem is. That was funny. And she'd come home ready to tear the wallpaper off because he embarrassed her. I think if you could, if you could realize the value of the person next to you, and I, I want this for me, we treat other people better sometimes than we treat our own family. You would make fun of somebody at the gym like you made fun of your wife. And I apologize for that, that I've done that. You know, doing these marriage things, makes you examine yourself. (laughs) 
and I have to go back. And many times what I've done personally is I've embarrassed my wife. And I, 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 I hold myself accountable because that's not holding her at the highest level. You ask the question, how do we make life better, is caring. Really caring for somebody. Um, we got a dog at home, and she had six puppies. And we got to give them away next week, which we're sad. We're already crying. We found these little puppies are like, I don't know. It's been a joy to have these puppies in our house for seven weeks. It's not more money. It's not better furniture. And it's not a better car. We find things that are, that we, right? I mean, do you have a comment on any of this? Go ahead. Say something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, doing stuff together and even going back to what um, Pastor David Mastana said about being best friends and just companionship and having fun together and like he's saying the puppies even though it's very busy and lots of work and messy we've had we've had fun we found places to have joy you have to find that i think happy is great and i think i think one of the things that i you know because the the worst times of your marriage whether it's a day of fighting or a week of fighting whatever it may be and most of fighting is just not being able and and i'll say this for me personally if I just walk back in the house and say sorry, it's pretty much over. I, I mean, is if I just walk back in and say I'm sorry that I said that, I wish I hadn't said that, and all that stuff. But oftentimes, my problem is I go back and say I'm not sorry. You, you men know exactly what I'm talking about. She deserved it. She needed to hear it. She needed to hear what I got to say. I know I'm right. And the more you act like that, the more wrong you are. <laughs> because peace is the goal, isn't? peace the goal and when you have joy in your marriage it's peaceful and happy and those things and when you're ready to you know i'm okay well you know what if this keeps up i'm out of here i'm done i want you to know right now then you're not at peace and you've made decisions that are not not going to bring joy in your house folks fill your house with joy men be willing i i know this is hard i know trust me i'm one of you Find ways to say sorry. Would you agree this would be? Use the words. And do it because it's peace.